What do you believe in, then? Well, I believe in the small of a woman's back, the hanging curveball, high fiber, good scotch, and I believe in long, slow, deep, soft, wet kisses that last for three days. Oh, my. Who are you? I'm the player to be named later. I love winning, man. You hear what I'm saying? It's like better than losing. These are the ground rules. I hook up with one guy a season. Usually takes a couple weeks to pick the guy. Kind of my own spring training. It's cold in here. You think Dwight Gooden leaves his socks on? Sucker teed off in that like he knew I was gonna throw a fastball. He did know. I told him. Honey, I want you to wear these when you're pitching on the road. They're garters. Rose goes in the front, big guy. Love is a lot like baseball. It's not whether you win or lose, it's how you play the game. No problem, no problem, honey, no problem. Kevin Costner. Get a hit, Crash. Shut up. Susan Sarandon. Have you ever been tied up in bed? Tim Robbins. Woo-hoo! I'm too old for this. Bull Durham. Hey everybody, welcome to You Have to Watch This Podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. <laughs> and before we get into today's film, Bull Durham, we have some special announcements to make. Really exciting things happening this month. Um, for those of you who are new to the show... Ryan and I actually started this show in March of 2016, which doesn't feel like it was that long ago. But now it co- does. We're coming up on five <laughs> years of this podcast, which is amazing to me. Um, and we wanted to celebrate five years and some other milestones <laughs> with a theme for the month. So today we're talking about a baseball film. The film the the theme for the month is not baseball oriented. We'll get into the baseballness of today's episode in a bit. We, but before we get started, we want to talk about the theme because we need your guys's help. Our theme for the month of March is superhero movie madness. Oh. We are counting down to Zack Snyder's Justice League with a schedule of DC films that we haven't seen. Um, and I'm going to pull up the schedule now and we're going to talk about it a little bit. So kicking things off March 8th, we'll be talking about WandaVision with victims and our friends over at victims and villains that should be live on Twitch. I'm not sure if it's going to be on their channel or, or ours. Um, but we will get that info out to you guys. Tuesday, March 9th, Devin is having me watch Shazam for the first time. Sunday, March 14th, Devin will be watching Superman the movie for the first time. And I believe, Ryan, you've seen that, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And then on Tuesday, March 16th, Devin will be watching the Justice League, 2017's <laughs> Justice League for the first time in preparation for Zack Snyder's Justice League on March 23rd. And what is very special about March 23rd is that will be our 200th episode. So it's a huge milestone for this show. Uh, So we're, we're going, we're going to celebrate in style. So, but this is where you guys come in. In addition to our podcast, we are also doing a March madness style bracket of superhero films. And we ran into a little bit of an issue. (laughs) 
Whereas oh. DC has a lot of standalone films, Marvel doesn't. So we're putting Marvel against DC because that's never been done before. And we wanted to be the first ones to do it. Uh, so in the chat, we are putting a quit, uh, a survey for you guys to check out. If you could go to that survey and just answer the questions for us, we need, we need help narrowing it down to certain films and different franchises. Like which is the best nineties Batman, which is the best, What's your favorite Avengers film? What's your favorite Captain America? What's your favorite Spider-Man? And we have it all separated by different film series, the best that we could. Instead of like grouping all the Thor movies together when one is superior, we decided to let you pick which one you want to do. Um, so go ahead and take that survey for us. That'll get us into our bracket, which we have all ready to go. And that's on the screen now. You can see, I'm not going to leave this up here for too long, but we got some... Interesting matchups, updating this with the winners of this round one survey. I, I just love the uh, Justice League versus Green Lantern uh, <laughs> match. I'm calling that one the trash bracket. Um, <laughs> so, and I think there are some on the Marvel ones that are almost unfairly hard already. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could do Guardians of the Galaxy versus uh, Tom Holland's Spider-Man. Like, if that's, like, an easy pick for me to, like, to, to answer. Yeah, that, that is tough. Gonna. Yeah. Well, they're not in the first round of the bracket, so. That's true. But still, it's just, I don't know. I, some of these I'm a little worried about because it's going to be, like, hard for me. Yeah. Oh, cool. There it is. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting. Um, so yeah, we have move March S superhero movie madness going on. It's going to be a lot of fun to follow along with the bracket. Once we close out the survey this Friday, make sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram. We will be posting the, the polls there where everyone can vote over the next few weeks. And then on our 200th episode, we we will reveal the winner Here's hoping it's Suicide Squad. <laughs> <laughs> so hold on. Before we do that, I'm curious. Who does everybody hope wins? Like, what do you guys, what I, do you all I, hope wins? I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to tip the scales at all. Um, okay. Okay. But if Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man comes out on top, uh, I won't be upset. Oh, <laughs> uh, Ryan? Um... Iron Man? <laughs> no, it's a good one. It's a lot to pick from. I mean, yeah. honestly, it, it honestly, Batman 80, 89? Yeah. Yeah. Batman 89. I'll just go with that. That's been my favorite really superhero good movie since I was a kid. So, Devin, you haven't seen it in like 20 years. So It's been... I, I've played the Super Nintendo game recently, though. So okay. I, I think I'm pretty up on it. All right. Sure. Let's, let's go with that. Um, <laughs> all right. So I think that's it for our big announcement. Uh, let's get into some Bull Durham. Nice. This is our okay. annual baseball seasons here. So Ryan's making us watch a baseball movie, which is fine. <laughs> I look forward to this every year because you know what this means? It means spring is right around the corner and I am ready right. for it. I am so <laughs> sick of snow this year. <laughs> so okay. without further ado, Ryan, take it away. Okay, well, uh, like 
Alan's been saying uh, we're going to be going over Bull Durham. It was a movie made in 1988, uh, written and directed by Ron Shelton. Shelton. Bad with names. I'm going to assume I pronounced that one right. Um, he's also done uh, White Man Can't Jump, Tin Cup, uh, uh, Cobb, and he also directed the 30 for 30 film Jordan Rides the Bus, which was a documentary about how Michael Jordan left basketball, went to play baseball, then went back to basketball again. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, the guy definitely has like a niche that he likes to go for. Uh, it stars Kevin Costner, uh, Tim Ribbons. Yeah. And then Tim, uh, Tim Robbins. Robbins, thank you. Yeah. See, that's why. See, that's why I always look to you guys, just in case, like I miss an <laughs> obvious name that I shouldn't have mispronounced. Um, and then uh, Susan Sarandon. There's a bunch of other people in there too, which. Uh, one person in particular I'll get to later. Um, but pretty much the core of the film is that you have a woman who is a huge baseball fan, pretty much treats it like her like religion. Um, and ter- ter- it turns into a love triangle between the rookie, the hot phenom rookie that's coming in, and the veteran that's pretty much on his way out. And chaos ensues. And this is probably my favorite baseball film, like, period, and probably my favorite sports film. Um, I was introduced to it actually kind of later in life, uh, probably like mid-20s. I've always heard of it, never actually got a chance to see it. And then when I saw it, I was like, that's it. This is my favorite baseball movie. Like, this is flat out it. And I've been waiting to show you guys this because I wanted to get some other baseball films under your belt before you saw this one, because this is a Mm -hmm. bit more baseball fan focused than all of the other baseball films I've had you guys watch so far. Um, so what did you guys think? Devin, I feel like I talked a lot at the top of the show, so you get to answer this one first. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So this movie surprised me almost constantly. Uh, I, I knew that this was like the most baseball fanny movie that we were ever going to do. And I was excited for that. I knew that, in, this is one of those movies that in my mind I had a plot already worked out. I was like, all right, this is going to be a ragtag team of rebels. Kevin Costner is going to be the old grizzled guy. And he comes in and he turns the team around and they win the championship. I was wrong. Very wrong. Uh, and I was surprised about that. I was actually shocked that the movie opens on Susan Sarandon. And I like briefly saw that it was a baseball rom-com. And I went, what? how do you do a baseball rom-com? <laughs> and I found out how you do a baseball rom-com. Um, I have a lot that I want to talk about with the movie because there's a lot that I like. I saw and I was like, oh, oh, yeah. But for the most part, I mean, it was, it was a fine movie. I think it's not my favorite baseball movie that you've made us watch, though. I think my favorite one is Moneyball. Okay. Um, because I think the business side of it is, like, like fantastic. But... I think I, I, I want to talk to you more about what you like about it, I think. Okay. All right. I'm going to take something Devin just said and disagree with him completely. This Let's is do my, it. This is my favorite baseball movie you've had us watch, and it has nothing to do with the baseball. Really? Yes. Yeah, it has nothing to do with the baseball side <laughs> That's of it fine. At all. That's fine. This, this script was phenomenal. Uh, just some of the dialogue made me go, oh, damn. Like, this is a baseball <laughs> movie with Kevin Costner. Um, there were just moments I was like, that's really good writing. Like I just, I had to look up the writer and see what else he did. And I was kind of disappointed that he didn't have anything else on this scale. Um, yeah. but I really enjoyed Kevin Costner's performance. 
I like the dynamic between him and Tim, Tim Robbins. Um, I could have done with some more Susan Sarandon. I feel like reading the trivia and learning about some cut scenes is like, oh man, that would have really enjoyed that in the film. Um, uh, Robert Wool is always a, a pleasant sight to see. Um, <laughs> Batman 89's Robert Wool. Uh, yeah. I, just, I was waiting for him to ask Kevin Costner for a grant. Um. <laughs> yeah. One thing that I find funny is that, like, I, I was seriously considering, like, you know, like going through Kevin Costner and like this guy and then Susan Sarandon. And then I was going to be, oh, yeah. And then Knox shows up playing Knox. <laughs> because that's literally his character in Batman. Like it's just the same personality, just like the yeah. goofball. Like, well, <laughs> and then he had a whole baseball show, right? Arliss. I don't oh, really know that. Yeah. There. I, like I honestly don't know. It was an HBO <laughs> thing in the nineties, back when no one had HBO, like pre, pre Sopranos. HBO no, stuff. My f- my parents had HBO. That's not what I was watching. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to leave it at Good. that. Everyone else can wonder what you there were we watching go. late night uh, on the weekends on HBO. <laughs> as, a, as an 11-year-old sneaking down to the living room to watch HBO at 1 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> I don't think we can talk about this. Like, this no, we can't. <laughs> we can't. <laughs> if you we know, you not. know. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, so excellent. Um, I'm actually really happy about this because I was kind of, I was a bit nervous going into this because like, this is like, this is my favorite sports film. And this is kind of like me opening up like a, you know, like, like a part of me that I care a lot about. And it's like, here, don't damage it, please. Like, you know, it's like one of those things. (laughs) So, um, but anyway, uh, so Alan, you mentioned the writing and, and Susan Sarandon. Yes. Okay, uh, I completely agree because when I found out about the cutscenes a few years ago, when I went to look it up, I was a little bit disappointed. But then I read that, particularly the scene where she's explaining why she loves baseball so much, audiences didn't like it apparently, so they cut that scene out, which I'm a little disappointed about. Yeah, I mean, I could go on a whole rant about art audience test screenings, and <laughs> I might. Um, I'm always right. Always, always right. Always. Always. Right. Uh, have you? There's a whole episode of The Simpsons about this where Mel Gibson, of all people, is remaking Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And Weird. Mel Gibson's like, I don't know. It just doesn't feel like a Mel Gibson film. Everyone in Springfield loves the movie except for Homer. And then Mel Gibson goes with what Homer says. And they make the worst <laughs> Mr. Smith Goes to Washington where he just like ends up um, – like attacking all of Congress, which is weird <laughs> nowadays, but oh yeah, wow. but the whole episode is weird because it's Will well. Gibson. That one's still on Disney Plus, I guess. <laughs> weird. That's um, that's I want to watch go. that one now. Yeah, yeah. It, it's it's a good one. It it yeah. It, I think it's like the first time they took stabs at like Disney and Fox as studios. So. Oh, weird. They were like testing the waters there a little bit. Um, okay, so, uh, Devin, uh, I guess the best thing to do is just get into, I think, one of your questions. Yeah. So, I, <laughs> my, I think my comments on this are actually going to make you, Ryan, very happy. Okay. Uh, and then probably make Alan sad. My <laughs> favorite, favorite part of this movie 
is when they were when they were like baseballing. Like okay. whenever they were on the field playing baseball, whenever they were talking about baseball, whenever they like were like uh banter and like even that like the like the mound when they were like all gathered around that and they were t- I yeah. love that part. Like <laughs> that give me more of that. Um but <laughs> I just saw chat. I love that. Um but the part I didn't like about this movie, I didn't like Susan Sarandon. I I think she played her character fine. Okay. I didn't like that character. And like I at no point in the movie did I buy into that, I think. And I was wondering, like, was that distracting for you as a baseball fan? Where mm. like her whole plot is just like, well, whoever I have sex with is just gonna be the star of the show now. I wonder who it's gonna be. And like, I don't know. Stop it, Susan Sarandon. Okay. Um First, I want to say that her opening dialogue to this movie has got to be like yeah. the epitome of how a hardcore baseball fan thinks about the sport. So as a baseball okay. fan watching this movie and, and you know, hearing her talk about her rationalization about why she loves the sport so much, like mm-hmm. as a first, you know, back when I was like in my mid 20s, when I first saw this movie, I was like, yeah, I'm right there with you, honey. I'm right there with you. <laughs> and um, so. You know, there's a good there's there there's a good solid foundation when she's going on about, you know, like trying different religions, different faiths, nothing really feels right. But then she hits baseball and it's always there for her. And she Mm -hmm. explains why. Um, I feel like it's a little bit overdone, though, when she gets into the whole like metaphysics, like chakra thing. (laughs) But I mean, that's on a personal level for her character. So I'm not going to judge. So (laughs) sure, there's that. Um, The whole sex thing, though, is I feel like just the fact that it's a baseball movie and it was written by a guy who played baseball for close to 15 years. So (laughs) I was going to say I this movie was a lot more vulgar than I expected because it's Kevin (laughs) Costner and yeah. Based on what we've seen of him in this on for this show, it's Field of Dreams and Jonathan Kent. Uh, (laughs) So just hearing him drop f bombs was weird. Um, Yeah, but I enjoyed it. I was like, "Oh, it's this kind of movie." Okay, let's go. (laughs) Um, So I really enjoyed that aspect of it. Um, Yeah, the Susan Sarandon. The whole, like, when she sits down with the two of them, with Kevin Costner and Tim Robbins, like, yeah, part of the, like, that's the speech that made me go, oh, damn. Uh, like, his response to all of her metaphysics stuff was perfect. Yes. Um, I just really liked all of his, I, I think I just love his performance in this. Uh, last week, we did a stream about, and we talked about actors who we just don't like at all. And I was like, yeah, like Kevin Costner's not a big sell for me. This <laughs> might have changed that, <laughs> um, because the first line he has in this was was something I've never seen in a film. But I was like, oh man, like that's a great first line, because he's like, I'm the baseball player who will be uh, named later on. In the, I was like, oh man, like that's a great placeholder line that just ends up staying in it until the end of the the film process. (laughs) Yeah. Um, It's, uh, it's one of my favorite lines of the film. Uh, I'm the player to be named later. And that was actually the original working title of the movie for a long time. Okay. Really? I'm glad you brought up the title 
because I'm trying to still make sense of Bull Durham as a title. Is it a reference to something? <laughs> is it a is it a song? Did I see that's a song? Um, it, it it there is a there's a fictional character called Bull Durham. I think it's in a book. There is a song oh. called Bull Durham that I don't I. I saw it when I was looking stuff up to talk about it on the show today, but I didn't listen to it, so I don't even know how old it is. Um, uh-huh. But the team is the Durham Bulls, and I feel like it's more of like Bull Durham, like they're the Bulls of Durham, like the Bull in the China Shop. And it's like, oh, yeah. look at all these minor league, you know, single A baseball players that are trying to like scrap their way up to the majors, and they're like bulls in a china shop. So, I mean, that's how I interpret the meaning of the title, which is probably completely wrong, but I don't care because it works for me. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, I like again in my like you know terrible little like reimagining of what this movie was before I watched it. I was like. All right, Kevin Costner plays Bull Durham. Bull is going to be a nickname because yes! he's good. Thank yes, you. Yes, that's Thank exactly you. what I thought too. Yep. Man, okay. no, it wasn't. Yeah, so, I mean, when it comes to the title, like, uh-huh. besides, I mean, I kind of like it. Bull Durham, like, instead of saying, like, the St. Louis Cardinals, it'd be like the Cardinals St. Louis. Like, it's a weird way of yeah. saying it. So, to me, it sounds kind of catchy. And, it's, and, and the fact that it's, like, not that many syllables, it helps. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing is it's kind of catchy. The title mm-hmm. like Bull Durham does kind of roll off the tongue. Like, yeah, I'm about that. Yeah. And um, to get to where this conversation started, uh, Alan, what you said about like your, you know, you know, it's like the, the fact that that's how he uh, the fact that that's how he was introduced. Like, you know, he walked in and they looked at him and he said, I'm the player to be named later, as in like he's referring to himself as a thing. And, and in and in like the third person. Uh to, to, um, to a sense. And I have to say, it's probably my favorite character introduction of any movie. Like, I love the fact of how he introduces himself and the way that they introduce that character. I mean, because this guy's on his way out. This is like his last or like second to last season of his career. And so mm-hmm. it just shows his like his mindset of like where he is in life. And I just to me as a baseball fan, because you always hear about trades and it's like, this team is getting this player in exchange for this player. This team is also giving cash. And then the other one is also giving a player to be named later. And they are almost always minor league players that get shuffled around the league. Like you might be drafted by like the Tampa Bay Rays out of high school. And three years later, you might have been cycled through four different teams, minor league systems through like trades before you end up getting to the majors, if you ever get to the majors. So (laughs) as a baseball fan, I get all of that in my head when he makes that comment. It's a huge, like, just, it's uh, like one sentence with Mm -hmm. like five pages worth of information floods into your head as a fan. Like I, well, this is the thing is because I didn't know like that player to be named later was like a trade thing. Mm-hmm. I thought he was just being real cocky about himself. Like it was just Kevin <laughs> Costner. Like you'll figure out who I am. Trust me. I looked at it as just the the screenwriter being like, I don't have a name for this yet. This character yet. So I'm just gonna put this here and then I'll do go this back later. Because yeah, I've done so, that. Like when I'm writing yeah. a script, I'll just put a placeholder name in there. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, yeah, it's um, yeah, it's it's actually a lingo. Like if you look up baseball mm-hmm. trades and you look at, you know, like, you know, 
you know, through them, you'll see player to be named later, players to be named later. Like that's an actual thing. And oh, so like they'll make the that. trade, but they don't want to like announce it yet because they don't want to like give up, you know, truly who they're actually giving up for like one player. So they'll mm-hmm. do that instead or they haven't really figured it out yet. OK, that makes so, sense. Yeah. So, I mean, he's pretty yeah. much just saying that he's a pawn. So sure. So I will say like the baseball stuff in this is probably the most fun of the baseball stuff that you've had us watch. OK. Like, Moneyball is fun. Like, it is a fine film. Yeah, I don't like math, so like, <laughs> the whole whole concept of that is like okay, like yeah, math stuff. Okay, baseball, Chris Pat got it. Um, <laughs> the baseball stuff in this was a lot of fun because it didn't take itself too seriously, and mm-hmm. it would take moments to to break and just have have uh, Kevin Costner go out to the mound and talk to Nuke. Yeah. And like mess with him and like like tell the batter what ball's coming. Um, yeah. yeah, I really enjoyed the baseball aspect of that. Okay. Um as a baseball fan, this movie hits every point that I want in a baseball film. And I love the mm-hmm. way that they do baseball action on the field. Um, they actually get into the players talking to themselves. If, if you ever actually watch a game or if you go to a game, you'll see the pitcher talking to himself. You'll see the batter talking to himself because they're mm-hmm. trying to focus. And in fact, in one of the other movies, I'll probably have you guys watch either at the end of this season, like in October or next or or, you know, uh, like next season um, is the film uh, The Love for the Game, which is another Kevin Costner baseball movie. Um, it It is a romantic movie, but it's not like a rom-com. It's more of a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, and they get really, really into that where they show him as a pitcher and he completely blocks out the entire crowd and everything goes blurry. OK, um, so before before we move on, I have a quick question yeah. for you about that movie. I know one thing about For Love of the Game. OK. Do you know who directed that? Um, I don't, but I do know that there's a certain actor in it that I didn't recognize him till the last time I saw it. Um, okay. Who, who plays so, the catcher? So, so that film is directed by Sam Raimi for Sony. No way. Yes, he made that movie so they would let him do Spider-Man. At least that's the consensus. That's so funny. Online. Well, then I'm that- happy because <laughs> I mean, I mean, like so. That's great. But yeah, so so yeah. there's that. Um, I've said all I wanted to about that movie, so I'm going to yeah. get back to the one we're doing now. Um, so <laughs> I love the fact that they're talking to themselves. And my two favorite moments is when Crash is talking to himself through the at bat that they show him do first, where he strikes mm-hmm. out. And, you know, he's talking about, you know, like, you know, um, uh, he's saying things like throw it into my kitchen, get the dame out of your head. Um, you know, he hits the foul ball and he mouths off at the pitcher because he wants to annoy the pitcher so that the pitcher throws mm-hmm. a ball that he wants him to. So it's kind of like re- reverse psychology he's playing on the pitcher, which I really love that part. And then with Nuke, when he's on the mound and he's starting to get it and mm-hmm. Crash tells him, just throw it, don't think, and he does. And then Nuke goes, that worked. What did I do? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like, I I absolutely love those moments because those are true baseball player moments that are Mm. outside of the actual gameplay itself. It's 
it's like the mental part of it. And it's weird that like usually when we do these baseball films, I don't have a favorite moment when it comes to those kinds of th- scenes. Mm-hmm. But I, my favorite moment in those kinds of scenes was where he tells him, just hit the bull with the ball. Like just, <laughs> just pitch it right at the bull. And yeah. then he hits the, the mascot with the baseball and the catcher get, gives the pitch. The catcher throws the ball back and just says to the batter, like, I don't know where the ball is going, man. Like, I I can't call it at all. Like, you're on your own. Don't don't get too dug in. Like, it's just watch out. Okay, so to make this even better for you guys, like I said before, the guy that wrote and directed this was a minor league baseball player for almost like, well, not 15 years, like I said before. Um, he played in like the 60s. If I'm right, because I didn't write it down, because I was like, I'll remember this. Don't write it down. I always trap myself in that. Anyway, so he played for maybe like 10, maybe like 10 years in the minors. And he wrote this movie in pieces towards the end of his career because he thought, hey, all of these stories would make a great movie. And so a lot of the stuff that's in this is stuff that he actually witnessed happen or did himself. So that's cool. So, you know, like the whole like talking to the batter and like telling them what pitches are coming because the catcher's trying to teach the pitcher something or, you know, like all this stuff in single A baseball, which is like the bottom of the barrel that you can get when it comes to the minors. Like this is all stuff that happens because they're trying to break in players. And they're trying to, like, get them to be where they need to be mentally and physically to actually go into the majors. And so, like, even though it seems counterintuitive for Crash mm-hmm. to, like, tell the batter, hey, it's going to be a deuce. And then the guy knows that it's going to be, you know, a certain pitch coming down and hits it out of the park. <laughs> like, you know, like, that's something you can do in single A baseball that you don't do in the majors. <laughs> Well, I was wondering that because I've never seen that before in a movie where, like, I mean, and I've also never seen that because I've only ever seen, like, AAA baseball. Like, I've never seen the the catcher, like, come up and be like, hey, batter, let me tell you something. Like, <laughs> I thought that was a huge no-no. Yeah. Uh, well, okay. Well, hold on a second. Devin, I know where you lived in Pittsburgh. You never went <clears throat> to a Pirates game? I did, but <laughs> – all right. So, hold on. Uh, the company I used to work for had season tickets to the Pirates uh, in their, like, nice section. And my favorite thing to do was to go to the nice section, get nice section food, uh, and then either drink beer and not understand what's happening or be in the nice section and play pool while the game was happening. And I loved that. And I always had such a fun time because, like, here's the thing. It's like energy at baseball stadiums is infectious, and I Mm -hmm. love that, and I love being around all that. I just didn't really need to watch the game too much. Uh, and a lot of the game, like, was just like, I've never seen that happen in a game, really. So, I mean, OK, okay. so uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was that. So in the minors, in this uh-huh. in this uh, specific situation, when you have like a single mm-hmm. A baseball team, you've got this like hot shot player coming up that they want to break in to get ready. I mean, he's going to have ego issues because he's coming from like a small town or a high school where he was like the hot shot chalk. And he needs to get his head busted in a little bit to, you know, gain some, you know, like to humble himself a little bit. So when you have the catcher or coach walking out to talk to a player, he might beat him down a little bit. Be like, hey, stop or, you know, like, yeah, like do all that type of stuff in the majors. When this stuff happens, they have more of a psychological profile for each player. Um, Oh, and they even do this in the minors now. They don't do a lot of the stuff you saw in Bull Durham and 
in the minors now because they understand that, hey, a soft hand works better with this person and and, you know, a baseball bat to the head works better on this one. So, you know, they don't treat everybody the same uh, really mm-hmm. in the minors anymore. But um, like today, what they do is that they'll walk up and they'll be like, hey, that was good outing. We'll talk about it later. Player walks out and then they'll spend an hour talking about it after the game. Some, Got you it. know. Some players, they'll go right up and say, that was horrible. You're getting knocked out. Oh, wow. And it's simply because they know how that person operates and what's best for them to keep their, you know, e- you know, t- to keep their ego up. Because personally, I'd sure. rather have a baseball player who is completely full of himself playing for the team I follow than somebody who's not. Because if you're playing at that level, you have to be a little egotistical. <laughs> and I'd rather that be there. <laughs> like Nuke. Yeah. So... Um, well, I mean, in the in the movie, he was. I mean, am I allowed to spoil the end of the movie? Is that okay? It, it's past thirty years old. I think it's okay. Okay. I mean, in the movie, he was the one that ended up going to the majors. Yeah, which was the whole point of getting crashed in on to, to, to the team anyway to help him because they knew that this guy was seasoned enough that he could work this pitcher through, which is actually right. really good character. I mean, you can tell that this movie was written by somebody that played baseball because a lot of managers and a lot of coaches, regardless of position, were catchers. Oh, see, I didn't know it's, that. It's something about the position because they're the ones that relay the signals from, from was it management to, to, to the rest of the team on the field most of the time. And they're the ones telling the pitcher what pitch to throw from the dugout, not the other way around. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them end up becoming managers. And it was a perfect example of, you know, this character of that happening. Like this guy was the leader of the team. And it's kind of funny because the catchers in baseball back in like the 20s and 30s. Yeah. Catchers equipment used to be called the tools of ignorance because because they, they, because the only reason why you'd be a catcher is because you couldn't play because you couldn't do anything else. You just had to, you know, it's like, no, Devin, just go back there and just crouch behind, you know, behind home plate and just catch what I throw you. Just catch the ball. Yeah. Just catch the ball because you're not working out at second base and I don't want you there. So you go down there. (laughs) But and then that position turned into, hey, that's where most of the coaches come from. See, that's that's fun, though. I didn't know that. And I like that. Yeah. Yeah. so real quick, chat is asking yes. about our special announcement. We will be covering that again uh. at the end of the show. So stay tuned. We'll uh, <laughs> we'll cover it again. So just so everyone knows, we we, we had we had a big announcement at the top of the show. We will mm-hmm. cover it again. So back to the baseball. Okay. So I want to ask um, I want to ask you guys, Alan. You mm-hmm. this might be the same answer for you about uh, Crash Davis's first line when he gets introduced. But what was your guys' favorite? line or quote from the film that you can remember now or just Uh, whatever pops in your head first like what's your favorite line i want to i'm not gonna say it was it it was crash's first line but i'm gonna say it was crash's reaction to annie um i believe in the soul uh the small of a woman's back (laughs) the hanging curveball high fiber good (laughs) scotch that the novels of susan sontag are self-indulgent Overrated crap, I believe. <laughs> Lee Harvey Oswald acted alone, which coming from Kevin Costner before JFK is, is funny. very interesting. <laughs> yeah. um, I believe there ought to be constitutional amendment outlawing AstroTurf in a designated hitter. I believe Praise. The, the, <laughs> I believe in the sweet spot, the sauce. Yeah. I'm not reading yeah. the rest of it because I no, already had to center fine. enough it, of it. Yeah. But, yeah there, um, there it was. You can hey, actually buy it. Chad's in the chat. 
Friend of the show, Chad. You can actually buy a poster of that entire rant, of that entire speech. You can buy a poster of it. I'm shocked it's not behind you right now, Ryan. I, I, I'd have to take it down for... for, for I'm surprised, it's not, I'm surprised it. it's not in front of you. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, in front of me, I have a poster of a stack of books that says, you're right, no human being would stack books like this. And yeah, we're I just going to... what reference that was. We're, we're going to let it go. If you get it, you get it. If yeah. you don't, you'll you'll eventually get it. Yeah. <laughs> but, a quick shout out to Ryan's new decorations on the wall, especially yeah. that especially that giant poster behind you there. That that thing's pretty sweet. Thank you, right? Alan, for that. It looks good. <laughs> Just so everyone knows, I went antiquing this weekend and I found two movie posters. One of Star Wars The Phantom Menace. Love it. And one of Star Trek First Contact. And I was like, I want them both. And my wife's like, you can pick one out. And I was like, that can one. I get one for Ryan? She's like, yeah. I was like, okay, then I'm getting Star Wars one. So it's fine. I mean, I I absolutely love it. So like, I got the Jay and Silent Bob up. I've got uh, an autographed picture from Mike Ditka, uh, two paintings of Bush Stadium, and then my two autographs. So I'm I'm happy with what's behind me at the moment. We just need um, to get that Jay and Silent Bob autographed, and you'll be good to go. There we go. Yeah. Uh, oh, so. Cool. Devin, what's yours? I liked when they were getting yelled at in the shower. Uh, and they were like, you're all lollygaggers. You're, what was it? It was, it was like lolly constantly. You're, like, you're pitching you're in your You're lollygagging around the infield. You're lollygagging the first base. No, that one. Yep, that one. <laughs> I like that one a lot. And then I he mean, looks to Knox. <laughs> I mean, a, a close second is the, the meeting on the mound. Yes. Where... They Robert Roll comes out and he's like, "What's going on out here?" He's like, "Well, uh, Nuke's nervous because his dad's in the stadium. We don't know what to get them for their wedding, and like he needs a full size rooster for a ritual." <laughs> and then Robert Roll is just like, "Well, candles are a good wedding gift." Right, and he like actually answers them. That was ad libbed. Yeah. The whole candles thing was ad libbed because he was talking to his wife like a few nights before about getting a gift mm-hmm. for a couple that were getting married that, that um that they knew and there wasn't a real answer there. He was supposed to go up and like break them up, and instead yeah. he was like so much in character. He was like. He was actually thinking, well, I can't do anything about the cursed glove. I can't do anything about this, but candles? Like, this one. Yeah, like, yeah. like he, he, ac- he actually answered the question in character, forgetting his line, and they kept it. <laughs> I love that. Side note, we're all married, right? Yes. Yeah. How, are candles a good wedding present, really? Like, have you guys received candles as a wedding present? When, oh, yeah, this we're one. Talk- we're talking about a movie that was filmed in 1987. <laughs> but like, were candles better in the 80s than they are now? Like, I mean, people used to do a lot more formal stuff than we do now. In the words, your, in you know, the income. words of John Stewart in the Colbert <clears throat> Christmas special, they are candles. <laughs> like, <laughs> so true. I, I said corrected. Okay. Um. So the whole the lalagaging thing, like, loved it. In the shower. Okay, so mine has to do with uh, Crash. And it's when he's yelling at Nuke 
for like the first time they show him yelling at him on the field and mm-hmm. he says uh and he says stop striking people out uh strikeouts are boring besides that they're fascist throw some ground balls they're democratic and i absolutely love whenever they take the whole like playing the sport and like mm-hmm. showing what he wants and like how he thinks about the game and his game theory and i absolutely love that description because strikeouts are fascist you've got one person trying to take care of everything and when they do something wrong it can ruin the entire game because they're trying to be too fancy with it throwing ground balls means that you're throwing the pitch a certain way so that no matter Mm -hmm. how the batter hits it the ball's going to hit the ground and go up the infield meaning that you're putting other people in play to do their job and take their turn to hold up the team hence making it more democratic Dang, that's a more clever line than I thought it was going to be. Here's what I thought it was, was if you throw only one type of ball all the time, it's fascist because it's one. It's democratic if you do other things because you're doing other or you have other options. I didn't know the line went that deep. Yeah, see, this is why I really enjoy this game. I yeah. mean, this movie. Well, I also really enjoy the game, too. But anyway, they <laughs> intermix. And this is why. Um, but that is by far my favorite line from the movie. So... Another weird thing about this movie that I never thought I'd say about a baseball film on this podcast mm. is the bar from the opening scene where Crash and Nuke meet and have the fight. Yeah. Um, evidently, they have a bunch of uh, memorabilia up. Oh. Mm-hmm. And I go to North Carolina occasionally to go to the Outer Banks. Next time I go, I may be making a pit stop. <laughs> oh, that's cool. They better have pieces of that glass from the door. They, uh, supposedly, <laughs> they have the door framed, like the shattered oh. glass. So <clears throat> nice. That's pretty cool. So, yeah. Ryan, road trip? Oh, definitely. 100%. <laughs> We're going to Durham. We're going to Durham. Um, and then, okay, so about dynamics in this movie uh devin i know you said that you were that you know you weren't really a fan of of you know susan srandon's character i'm hoping that by the end of this podcast i can kind of change your mind on that okay good. um but i want to talk about a quick dynamic between crash and nuke pretty much more more of the actors kevin costner mm-hmm. versus what tom i'm just gonna call him tom since i messed up the first name tim tim called tim 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 is his actual name i'll call him tim um anyway uh, one of my favorite moments between the two is when Crash says, Nuke, you could be one of those guys because they're on the bus and he's talking about mm-hmm. his arm and how like the gods gave him like a thunderbolt for a shoulder. And he yeah. said, Nuke, you could be one of those guys, but you don't give an F meat. And he goes from calling him Nuke to meat to kind of show, you know, where he is when it comes to like, do you want to be called Nuke? Do you want to be called this nickname that's probably going to lead you? to the hall of fame mm-hmm. or do you want to be known as a meathead for the rest of your life and mm-hmm. that's and that's why crash was calling everybody meat that he was either going against or he felt was below him when it came to being a player and that's one of the aspects that i like was where it was that moment where their dynamic started to change was was when i think i, I think that was the first time in the movie he calls him nuke at the two or refers to him as Nuke. And then he calls him meat directly to his face when he was talking about him as Nuke, like he wasn't there. And I really like mm-hmm. that dynamic between the two, especially when they started to fight and Knox had to go back and, you know, 
<laughs> I love up. that you keep calling him Knox, even though that's I'm not getting his the name wrong, name. right? Yeah. I'm I mean, the I name close enough. It's like, whatever. I mean, to me, he's Knox. Like he's Bruce, yeah. asking Bruce Wayne for for a grant. Yeah. So. Uh, no, I mean, but, I, I agree with you though. I like yeah. their dynamic a lot, and like, and I think that's probably why, at least until we really dig into it, that I didn't like Susan Sarandon's part in it. I could have just watched a whole movie of them. Like, okay. if they were the movie and it was that dynamic, I would have, I would have been totally fine with it. And then like. To watch him, like, to watch the ending play out the way that the ending played out, I thought would have been, like, so good. And I love that. What's weird okay. about this movie is it doesn't have one main character that it focuses on. Like, it, it presents mm-hmm. itself as it being a film about Susan Sarandon's character. But then it splits off and is about Kevin Costner. And then it's about Tim mm-hmm. Robbins. So it's about the three of them and their dynamics and mm-hmm. their different point of views of this story. And the lot, a lot of it's the back and forth between it's like a tug of war between Kevin Costner and Susan Sarandon trying to get nuke to follow hit their teachings, their, their, yeah. Jedi, their Jedi training, if you will, <laughs> pretty much. Well, Oh, here's my question. Like, except for the one time, were their trainings ever like opposite or pulling him in different directions? Because I know there was the one time she was like, I think it was more different ideals. Like they're both like they set up at the beginning of the film that they're both looking at this from two different points of view. Right. So it's conflicting ideologies. Yeah. So okay, so who won then? So that's that's my like okay, if it's so conflicting ideologies, like who who was the winner? It is a combination of both because the whole mm-hmm. point of this boils down to the conversation that Crash and Annie had um, mm-hmm. in uh, in Crash's apartment when she goes to yell at him for preventing Nuke from sleeping with her because they're on a hot streak. <laughs> and they're, right. you know, yelling back and forth at each other. And then finally Crash says, look, I I never told him to actually stop sleeping with you. I told him that the streak comes first. The team comes first. And if you think that you're winning because you're not having sex or because you're wearing certain type of undergarments, then that's what you do. And you mm-hmm. do not do anything to break that streak until it ends. And then they focus on her and she's like, oh, he's right. Because she understands that as a baseball fan. Like you don't mm-hmm. stop doing something until you lose and then you're free to do whatever you want again. It's the whole crazy psychology of being a baseball fan. I know it's weird, stupid and nuts, but it's what we do. I do not wear socks on day's ends, though. I'm not one of those people. No, no, it's disgusting. Well, the thing is, I've heard that before. I've heard like people having their superstitions and stuff. So, like to believe, like I was all on board with with Kevin <clears throat> Costner and was not with Susan Sarandon at that point. I was like, no, you're wrong here. Well, like they're gonna do what they do. Well, true. Um, you, you also have to take into account that so. The scene that Alan talked about that got cut out and the one that I said mm-hmm. that they took, you know, that it was because of test audiences, which Alan probably mm-hmm. read when he was going through it, too. Um, they explained that she went down to Florida for her dad's funeral. Yes. Or, it was yeah, her dad's and funeral. It was her dad's funeral, and she ran into a catcher who played for the Yankees at the mm-hmm. time down at spring training. And that's when she def- found her love of baseball. 
and why she like attached to it so much. And it turns out later that that catcher was a real person died in a plane crash. Um, and that's what, uh, and that's why at the end of the movie, they focus on that one Yankees players picture, uh, picture on the mantle oh. at the end. Yeah. That, that was real Yankees uh, player. He was a catcher mm. and he died in a plane crash. And so there was supposed to be this huge backstory with her as to like why. But apparently audiences in the late 80s would would, you know, have rathered her just be this crazy cuckoo baseball fan with no reason or why, you know, she liked the game so much. So um, does that help? Yeah, it does. I think it did a big disservice to her character to not give her anything like really anything by way of backstory aside from her just going like my sex is magic and then like <laughs> stopping it there, which like, Oh, well, I don't I mean, like it. To, to, to be honest, it really wasn't her sex. It was the no. fact that like she would tie the men down to her bed and read Walt Whitman to them. Yeah. Apparently, Uncle Walt. which Uncle Walt. I watched an interview with her today and mm. this is interesting. So, she was asked, and this was back in like the early 90s or late 80s. Uh, she enjoyed the part. She said, um, who would give up the chance to play a part where you get to tie men to a bed and read Walt Whitman to them? And then she I went mean, on yeah. to say, <laughs> and then she went on to say, actually, and this is like a growth thing. And we can get into this type of stuff if you want about the movie, because it is from the late 80s. She said mm -hmm. that... Um, she said before working on the movie, she had almost a sexist view of jocks, but working with the people on set helped her get out of that uh, because she wasn't expecting the depths of thought that people have when it comes to the game. Like she was like she thought it was just a bunch of people like go out there, throw a ball, hit ball. Mm -hmm. You know how like they break that. It's like this is a simple game. You throw the ball, you catch the ball, you hit the ball. Right. Like it's more than that. And she realized that when she was working on the set. And she mm -hmm. went into more detail, but I'm just going to summarize it as that. Um, but she really enjoyed the character. And I think she enjoyed the character more with all of the scenes that she did sure. instead of instead of, you know, the stuff that was cut. Because as the movie goes on, she's adding stuff to that mantle. Oh, I didn't notice that. And they cut all of that out. Oh, that's annoying. Yeah, in a... Uh 2021, <clears throat> that wouldn't happen. <laughs> like, you, <laughs> you don't cut the female... You know, and you know, I backstory. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think that was my problem with the movie because, like, I I wanted more character on her. I wanted her to pass the Bechdel test once, and I'm not entirely sure she did. And I like, don't not think that she that's does. my like, and like that's not my my like benchmark for whether or not I I like a female character in a movie by any means. But like, I mean, yeah. I like I like the character. I just wish they didn't sacrifice her backstory for right for Tim Robbins in women's underwear on the pitcher's mound. <laughs> um, Which what, <laughs> I changed my bio on Facebook, the little like tagline under the oh, picture. Yeah. Listen, the, 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 the rose goes in the front, big guy. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So, so by the way, Ryan, I don't know if you, yeah. if you're watching stream at all, but you've frozen in a very model esque yeah. pose. I love it. I'm going to be um, honest. I'll send okay. you a picture of it then. Yeah, yeah, we can still hear fine. you fine. Uh, yeah. yeah my like, internet's it, being stupid. Yeah. I can hear you guys. Very so we're dapper, good there. Though. 
It's, it's been a, it's been that way for a little bit now. Um, it looks yeah, like you're giving it looks like you're giving us blue steel. It does though. It's pretty great. <laughs> Good. Um, I'm happy about that. So yeah. we're about 15 minutes in to we're recording anyway. So I wanted to touch on a few things that I really wanted to get to as like yeah. little facts oh, yeah. before we end. Um, mm-hmm. So Mickey Mantle saw this before he passed away. Okay. He loved this movie, but he didn't have the same reaction everybody else did. He saw this and he was interviewed in New York. And the and and the guy that was interviewing him said, Hey, have you seen this yet? It's really funny. And Mickey's like, What funny baseball movie are you talking about? And he said, You know, the one with, you know, like all these people in it. And then he was like, Oh, yeah, I didn't (laughs) find that funny. Because the way that he saw it, because he was a baseball player, he saw that movie and he fixated on Crash Davis and saw it as a tragic tale of a player that should have made it to the majors, but didn't because the team he was playing for had a dedicated catcher that would block anybody from going up the ladder, which happens. You have got players in the in the minors like here. I'll give you an example. The St. Louis Cardinals, I'm a fan, so I'm going to relate it to my team. So people get over it. Anyway, um, <laughs> so, the St. so the St. Louis Cardinals have had the same catcher since 2005, 2006 as a starter, Yadier Molina. And he's been on the team as a starting catcher since 2006 from then to now. Any catcher wow. in the Cardinals system has been doomed to just playing in the minors or coming up to be his backup occasionally because he is a bona fide Hall of Fame player and there's no reason why the Cardinals would ever get rid of him. So when you have that situation, you have players that are amazing, but the organization Mm -hmm. doesn't want to give them up because if something happens to that top player, you want to have your best option behind in case somebody gets in a car accident, breaks their knee, breaks their hip, something. You've got that person waiting in the wings to come up. So you've got players who should have been playing in the majors, but they never got the chance because they were playing, you know, first base. And, you know, you've got, you know, a a Hall of Fame first baseman playing on the team. So they never got the chance to come up. So that's how Mickey Mantle saw it. He saw it as a tragic tale. He didn't see it as a comedy. (laughs) So there's that. Um, And then the stadium that they Mm -hmm. played in was the actual stadium that the that the Bulls played in at that time, uh-huh. but now it's being used by a college for their baseball team. And I don't even think they're division two. I think they're like division three or four, which is kind of funny, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, so those were like the, 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 those were two things I really wanted to touch on, like as facts. Cause I, I, I thought that was interesting. Cause like, if I can get Mickey Mantle or any of the greats into a conversation about baseball, I do. So I'm going to do it. So there's that. And then I have one question that I sent uh-huh. you guys earlier that I kind of want, if I can get like, and you know, I just want to see what's in your guys' heads with this one. So oh, yeah. you own a baseball team, minors, doesn't have to be major league. Mm-hmm. Everything's in place, organization, players, fans, everything's bought and paid for colors, name and mascot. 
Devin, you go because I okay. Yeah, I didn't have. I'm sorry about sending it to you guys as late as I did. I'm sorry about sending it to you guys as late as I did. I put some. Yeah, if you you sent it to me when I'm getting everything set up for the stream, so I was just like, I don't have time to think about this. (laughs) I put plenty of thought into this because I wasn't setting anything up for the stream and really wanted to give this a good, a fair shake. (laughs) Hey, I got the camera ready. I put the shirt on. It's all good. Um, so I uh. My baseball team, and I didn't know if it had to be where we currently were. So I was like, oh, a London baseball team. So it's a London baseball team. It is the London Beef Eaters. And because uh, <laughs> I, I need that. And the mascot is just an overblown, like, Londoner's head with this gigantic frilly, like, beef eater underneath, which is exactly what I want. Uh, and then my colors are, uh, like, crimson red and silver. Okay. Alan, did you want me to go first? Or, I mean, before you have to give I me mean, more time. If I owned a baseball team, I yeah. would just take one from pop culture That's and fine. make it a reality. Yes. Part, part okay. of me wants to say the Springfield Isotopes, but I'm going to go with the Schitt's Creek Fighting Latkes, <laughs> <laughs> which is Good the reference. best joke on that show that there's not enough merch on Etsy for that team. There's like one t-shirt and it wasn't great. So I didn't get it, Aww. but I want more fighting lot. Latkes. Okay. Shirt. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> that, that's great. I, I actually love that. Um, Oh wait, oh, chat brought up a really cool thing. What? Huntsville, Alabama wanted their minor league team to be called the rocket raccoon. That's amazing. Nice. That's, that's awesome. I would um, if I could get away with a Marvel reference in a team name. Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Um, when it comes to pulp culture, if there's a <laughs> if there's a team that I could make real, it would be from Deep Space Nine because they actually have a baseball episode, and they have oh. the uh, the Niners. So like they're white with like red pinstripes, and it's got mm-hmm. the Deep Space Nine space station, but it's got a baseball in it because it's a round space station. It's like the outside of like a circular thing, so it's, so it's got the baseball inside the space station. That's, that's cool. what I would do for pop culture. But yeah. my team would be, I originally, I spent my really early childhood in Alton, Illinois, which is across the river from, uh, which is across the Mississippi River from St. Louis, about mm-hmm. 30 minutes north. So it would be, a, a team would be based on Alton, be a minor league mm-hmm. team. They'd be called the Steamers. There are other teams out there called the Steamers. I don't care. They don't exist in my world. I'm the only <laughs> team that has the name Steamers on it. Um <laughs> And their colors will be matching what the Mississippi River looks like. So a very muddy brown and green. <laughs> Appealing. <laughs> a very. And the uh, and the mascot, which I've been going back and forth on this, like ever since I sent you guys the question. So mm-hmm. it would either be a frog um, okay. or right. it would be a broken Budweiser beer bottle because those float down the Mississippi River all the time. Besides, I mean... <laughs> Budweiser is made from Mississippi River water anyway. So, I mean, there's that. They filter it, Devin. They filter it. And the beer gets distributed in the Midwest. God, it's, you know what? Even if it's filtered, it still does not appeal to me. It's like, sorry. Do you want to know where your spring water comes from? It's more more appealing than if I heard somebody say this water, this beer is made with water from the Susquehanna. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I get it. They filter it, but still, nope. Yeah, I know yeah. what happens in there. Sorry. Um, and then one moment that you guys uh, 
this is kind of last second. I apologize, yeah, it's but okay. it's all right. We're we're having a fun conversation. I'm actually really enjoying this. <laughs> um, all right, good. So uh, I want because I wrote down a ton of information in case you guys had any odd questions. And Devin, I'm surprised you haven't asked anything about this yet. I want to okay. know if if there is a moment or something that they did, and I'm not talking about a line or you know. Uh, not a quote, but but like a scene where the where multiple people were involved in doing something. If it was based in reality or not. No, I had a lot of questions like that. Actually, I had a okay. lot of like, is this something that they really do? Is this something that like, you know, is this a, a real thing? Um, okay. And I assumed the answer to a lot of it was, well, it's minor league, so of course they do. <laughs> but really, I think my biggest one was like. Again, I've seen my, my experience with baseball is very limited. Like, do that many people are that many people actually allowed to come up to the pitcher's mound during a like a game? Oh, you'll have the whole infield go up to the pitcher's mound sometimes. So you've Why? got so so I mean because you've got to talk. So let's say let's say uh, David Ortiz is coming up to the plate. Like this is like 2012. David Ortiz comes up to the plate and the bases are loaded. What the heck are we going to do? There's two outs. We yeah. need to get one more. So the catcher will walk up because he knows that the manager is coming out. And then when the manager mm-hmm. comes out, he does a hand signal like this or this or touches his hat. And uh-huh. that's, you know, th- that's a sign to all of the infield to come into the, uh, uh, to come in so they can have a little powwow on what they're going to do. Got it. Okay. Like, you know, like, Hey, these are the pitches we're going to throw because mm-hmm. these are the pitches we're going to throw. We need the third baseman and shortstop. You guys need to line up here on the infield. Second base, you need right. to line up here on the second pitch. We're going to be doing this pitch. So then we need mm-hmm. you guys to line up this way. Ryan's animated again. His video is back. back. I love it. Yeah, there we go. Um, so yeah, so, so yeah, so, that stuff does happen. So yes, it happens right, multiple times a game. Okay. So the chat has some team names and mascot ideas. Oh, awesome. I, I, I want to hear all it. of these. All right. So first off, cool beans is first choice is the sleepers. Their mascot is a giant Z. I like that. And then cool beans also cool. says al dente. Their mascot is an elbow noodle. <laughs> But it has to be for like Rome, New York, or something like that. Like some place where like al dente like fits. I would be okay with that. Or Queens. just like... yeah, Queens. <laughs> and then their hair is just uh, spaghetti. <laughs> I just picture like like the Philly fanatic, but like as an al dente noodle. That would be That's good. My, yeah, I, I yeah. My favorite mascot is Gritty, so like I'm trying to think of something Gritty. that's beyond that level. I it's don't know, a I... good way to pasta the time. Ugh. There we go. <laughs> Better uh, Doctor Waffalo uh, would definitely be wafflers with a waffle mascot, and my colors would be butter and syrup. <laughs> I love so that. yellow and brown. So <laughs> yellow, yellow and, brown. and brown. I didn't say the colors oh. for my uh, Shit's Creek uh, fighting latkes. Uh, definitely no, shit didn't. brown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that's it. Is it bad that all of our <laughs> colors that's the only have color. brown involved in them? <laughs> Gritty spits in the face of God. I'm convinced that the only good export of Philadelphia is mascots. Can we agree with that? 
Because uh, the fanatic is wonderful and so is gritty. Philadelphia cream cheese? Does it is come it from made, Philadelphia, it, though? Huh? I didn't think it was. I thought, like, it was, like, inspired by Philadelphia. Like, someone, like, went there and was, like, I don't know. They needed to make a new kind of cheese after their visit or something. <laughs> well, uh, um... Sorry, uh, cheese steaks. <laughs> um, so, oh, we got, there we, is... We got another hmm? one in chat. The okay. Brooklyn oh, yeah. Parallel Parkers. It's just a person <laughs> looking over their shoulder while they're turning the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, and 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 I'm, I'm gonna guess the colors are gonna be red and yellow to signify the the uh, um, the turn indicator and the brake lights. That sounds about right. Yeah. Um, uh, in chat, the only good export from Philly is pure chaos. <laughs> Thank it's you. True. All right, someone gets it. Yes. So there is something from Philly and some body from Philly that I am very appreciative for, and he's in this movie. And that is Max. And did I totally just close out of the screenshot that I took that had his name on it? So I wouldn't look like an idiot, but now I do. So now I'm scrolling through my phone, going to my screenshots. Here we go. Uh, Max Pet- Max Patkin. Ma- Max Patkin. Uh, the, okay. the clown prince of baseball. The guy, the, the goofball that was on the, uh, was on the, the guy field. dancing. He's a real person. And okay. that oh. is a real job. Um, it's not really a thing anymore because now teams have mascots, um, mm-hmm. which I totally did not mean for that question to roll into this, but it did. And I'm loving it right now. Um, so he was born in 1920 in Philly and mm-hmm. he died in a town in somewhere in Pennsylvania in like 1999. Um, but he broke his arm or damaged his arm before World War II when he was in the minors. Mm-hmm. So when he got, you know, drafted and went into the service like everybody else did back then, um, he was on his like stations baseball team because that's what they did. Every single unit had a baseball team uh, mm-hmm. at some point. And he played against um, there was a game where he played against uh, Joe DiMaggio and Joe DiMaggio hit a home run off of him. So he mockingly threw his glove down in anger and followed Joe DiMaggio around the bases. And Joe DiMaggio <laughs> thought it was the funniest thing that he'd ever seen because this guy is like, I mean, his face was made of rubber almost. He could make any facial expression you could think of. And Joe DiMaggio almost didn't make it around the basics. He was laughing so hard. So Joe DiMaggio got this guy a job as a manager and eventually he turned into an entertainer and he would go around the country to different, you know, like games and just yeah. be the mascot for that game in, in, was it in, uh, in that outfit that he was uh-huh. wearing in the movie. And in fact, he's in the baseball hall of fame museum because of his like importance and, uh, um, and, uh, and cultural importance to the game. He's playing himself in the movie. That jacket yeah. he's wearing yeah. was given to him by major league baseball. Oh, another reason honest, why we love this movie. But baseball fans I've love never, this movie. Look, I've never watched a baseball movie and thought about job prospects, but now I have. <laughs> if there is any job in baseball I want, it is that man's job. Because what I'm hearing is there's an opening. <laughs> Unfortunately, because of the Philly fanatic and people like that this guy there's really no need for people like this anymore listen listen this is my <laughs> only application for that job one time i had a picture of gritty on my cell phone and romana was about 2 feet behind me 
looked over my shoulder quick, and went, Oh, what a cute picture of you, hun. <laughs> that's oh, my application, man. by the way. That's fine. <laughs> oh, man, that's, that's rough. Isn't it? I don't oh. know if I've ever recovered from that. Here, here's the problem with, with your job application, Devin. You moved to London. <laughs> you can't be the, be like, the clown prince of America's pastime in London. I'll be like I'll be like the the gritty of cricket. Right? Cricket needs a mascot. True. Now, yeah. when he died, when he uh-huh. died, um he was the king of baseball. There wasn't any clown involved at that point. He was voted oh. at the winter meetings in Atlanta. So all of the baseball CEOs and owners show up at a mm-hmm. meeting that they call it the winter meetings and they break deals on contracts and stuff. They voted him unanimous. Everybody voted for him to yeah. be considered the king of baseball at that point. And that was mm-hmm. in uh, 1988. So I think that's how he got the jacket, actually. Nice. Oh, that's cool. So, I, yeah. Looking at his IMDb page, uh, I just found out he's related to Adam F. Goldberg, the one who runs the show The Goldbergs with um, oh. Jeff Garland and... Patton Oswalt. So I'm surprised they haven't done a story arc about that on the Goldbergs yet. Um, that would be cool. I'm sure they um, they either have and I missed it or they haven't yet. Um, so we have a few yeah. more teams in the in the chat. Excellent. I want to hear this. The Pen Dot Superstars mascot is someone holding a slow sign while eating a cheesesteak color safety orange. <laughs> and then the home basis. Peak Ooh. 614 is the mascot. Oh, I like that. <laughs> I really like the idea of like safety orange and yellow together as a baseball colors. Oh, that's right. Cause you like really bad colors together. I as, love like, bad color combinations, but under the lights, like you no, no, even... not fluorescent, not fluorescent. Oh, okay. I'm just talking about like, mm-hmm. no, like this, like no fluorescent. this is powder blue. Like this is powder blue. Yeah. And then you could do this part in, in like the shiny. I totally pulled a quote from Hellboy 2, but that's okay. So okay. there's... <laughs> I'm so glad you knew that. <laughs> All right. Uh, Anything else you wanted to cover with Bull Durham before we re-announce our big announcement from the beginning of the show? Let's go into the big announcement. I'm pretty much good. I have a okay. little story that I'm going to tell Devin later that I can't okay, really get into here. So All right. We'll, we'll go there. So <laughs> that does it for our conversation on Bull Durham. If you were late to the show and missed our big announcement at, at the top, uh, March is a this March is a big year for the big, big month for the podcast. So we decided to celebrate. Um, five years ago this month, Ryan and I started this show. Um, so we've been doing this for five years. And at the end of the month, we will have our 200th episode. So to celebrate that... We are having a themed month, and today's show doesn't fit into that theme at all. It's just an annual tradition of Ryan likes baseball. It's baseball season, so um, we we got this one in just before the season starts. Like the it, opening day the, is April, right? Uh, opening day is in April. Today mm-hmm. is like day three of spring training games, so we're okay. within a month, oh, cool. more or less, of, of like the season actually starting. So this is actually perfect. All that to say, <laughs> for the for the next three weeks on this show, 
we will not be talking about baseball. Not because we hate it. Like, I think if anything, like, I don't think it's going to get any better than this podcast for you, Ryan, with baseball. Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. I, think, I know. <laughs> um, for the next three weeks, we will be talking about superhero movies. Uh, we will be having a March superhero madness um, theme for the rest of the month, leading into our 200th episode and Zack Snyder's The Justice League. So over the next few weeks, uh, next week you can join us on Monday. We'll be talking about WandaVision with our friends over at Victims and Villains. I believe that will be on their Twitch stream. Uh, then Tuesday night, you'll be able to catch us here talking about the movie Shazam, which I have never seen. And then Sunday the 14th, we'll be talking about Superman the movie, which Devin has never seen. And, spe- and speaking of films Devin has never seen, uh, on Tuesday the 16th, leading into the Zack Snyder's Justice League, we'll be watching the Justice Cut of the of the <laughs> Justice League film from 2017. A film that Ryan and I both covered back when it came out, but unfortunately, we are making Devin watch it before <laughs> before the Zack Snyder version, which we will be talking about March twenty third for our two hundredth episode. So that's what we have coming up this month on our show. In other news, it doesn't stop there. We also have. Our superhero madness bracket we are doing. We want to know what our fans think is the there. We want to know what our fans' favorite superhero movie is. So we we Devin spent a lot of time in his fun employment building us a bracket, <laughs> and it runs the game. But we got Marvel versus DC because it's original and no one's done it before. So. It's going to be a lot of fun, but before we can get into the bracket, we need your help Um, to narrow down some of the films that have multiple entries into their um, series. We want to know what's your favorite Iron Man movie? What's your favorite Batman movie? What's your favorite Spider-Man movie? We have it all in the chat. If you uh, click the link that I'm putting in there now. Go ahead and take our quick survey over on Google Forms. It doesn't take long. We're not collecting any information. You can do it anonymously. Um, Just fill it out. We'll uh, we'll leave that open until Friday afternoon, and then we'll keep everyone up to date on who's winning in the bracket. Uh, We'll be starting that probably over the weekend. Um, And to vote on the bracket, you can... Like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram to actually vote. I think that's the best way we're going to be able to do this. Um, anything else that I missed? No, I don't think so. I don't so. believe I so. That, yeah, I think yeah. That was it. Yeah. So, yeah, that was our big announcement. So, five years, 200 episodes, and a whole bunch of DC movies and <laughs> a and a Marvel TV show. Uh, <laughs> so... That's what we have coming up. We hope that you guys enjoy tonight's show. Um, anything, any final thoughts before we sign off? 
I'm just happy that both you guys enjoyed it as much as you did. Because like I said, like this is my favorite ba- like sports movie. And I was just hoping that I was going to be like, I really don't want one of them to hate it. I'd like, that's, that's like, <laughs> I, you know what? I thought about coming in like guns ablaze. Like this is the worst movie I've ever seen. Just to like see how you reacted to that. Uh, I, I, I'm waiting for that for uh, something that we're watching that I just announced. <laughs> really? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Um. So, in addition to all of those episodes that we just uh, announced, this Sunday we will be live on Twitch doing Mm -hmm. our We Watch This for the month of February because we missed it this past weekend. Uh, We'll be talking about things that we watched in the last month uh, and just chatting about it, talking some pop culture news and all that. So, you can join us here on Sunday. Uh, I don't think we settled on a time, but... We'll figure that out. We'll uh, pick one. Yeah, we'll pick a time. And then make sure to check out Devin's streams where he plays video games. He has some fun superhero-related games lined up. Um, so it'll be a I lot do. of fun. Come on, I, I also love like when chat like, – I mean, chat has been pretty good uh, on those streams about just like talking. We usually talk movies. We'll talk, we talked musicals last time, which mm-hmm. I loved. So come oh, talk to movies. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah, I found out some things that made me really roll my eyes hard oh, on that one. I have some gaps. You, you, gaps is an understatement. You what, have what, Pennsylvania-sized potholes on what's 81. His biggest, what's his biggest pothole on 81? Little Shop of Horrors. That's big enough to, like... Okay, no, 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 no. Okay. You haven't seen it either? Oh, I've seen it. I had to watch that in school. What? Yeah, I watched that in... Oh. Um, Music and film. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I thought you were in that class with me. I guess you were. I wasn't. No. Um, All right. Well, that does it for this week's show. Make sure to (laughs) like us on Facebook. Follow us on Instagram. uh, Follow us on Twitch so you can catch our live streams whenever we go live, whether it's a podcast or gaming or just talking. We do all kinds of stuff over here on Twitch. It's a lot of fun. Um you can listen to our podcast wherever you get podcasts. Uh, you have to watch this podcast is recorded in front of a live Twitch audience. Um, <laughs> for you have to watch this podcast. I'm Alan. I'm Ryan. And I'm Devin. And the roses go on the front. We'll, we'll see you. See you guys next time. <laughs>